Hello, Podosphere, and a very warm welcome to today's episode of The One With The Podcast. Um, today, I was joined by Chris Target, which was an absolute pleasure, I've got to say. Chris is somebody that I've followed on social media for quite some time. Um, we ended up in each other's network on LinkedIn, just kind of one of those random connections. We never spoke or met or worked with each other in the past, but all the same, we was kind of uh, observing each other's content and relating to each other's message and liking and commenting and supporting each other's posts. That kind of overspilled onto Instagram and I just fell in love with Chris's account. He's very active on Instagram, particularly with Instagram stories. So we've built a a close relationship through that. Now, it sounds quite bizarre to say that. It's very much welcome to 2020, but this is the point that I always make. You know, we've built a relationship and a friendship through social media by simply engaging with each other's content through the odd message that we've passed back and forth to the point where even before I got him on the podcast, I kind of felt as if we already knew him. And that exact same principle, that right there, is exactly what you guys should be aiming for between your personal brand or your business and your market, your audience, your buyers, because social media really does allow you to sort of bridge that gap and form those relationships, even if it's someone that you've not met intimately before. So I knew straight away, without even speaking to Chris prior to the podcast, that it would be a great episode. I knew we'd get on great, and based on what he stands for, based on his message, based on how he promotes himself and his business, I knew that it'd be one that was crammed with value, and it certainly didn't disappoint. So as you can imagine on this episode, being that I'm obsessed with content and I'm a massive geek about content marketing and being that Chris works in that space as well, we obviously spoke about all things social media and content. He asked me a lot of questions about my sort of mission and my approach depending on which market I'm speaking to and which platforms I'm using. The questions went back and forth and beyond that, we even spoke about all things mindset. We explored um, other valuable podcasts and books and things of that nature. So it really was one of those episodes where we just kind of I guess shoot the shit really we just sit back and talk and just kind of go back and forth so I really do hope that you enjoy being a fly on the wall really really confident you're going to get tons of value but as ever please do let me know your thoughts message me directly take a screenshot tag me on LinkedIn Uh, Let me know what you like and what you don't. And I'd love to get Chris back on the show down the line if you guys see value. Or if not, I'm definitely going to meet up with him for a beer or for a coffee at some stage down the line. Um, Worth noting that this episode was actually recorded prior to the coronavirus um, outbreak. So those sorts of things and sort of social media and business management around the challenges that we're all facing at the moment um, wasn't discussed just pure and simply because it wasn't even on our radar at the time of recording this episode. So it's just a general... uh, chit chat around content marketing in general but I will be making uh, another episode about what I plan to do and how I plan to adapt my strategy over the course of the coming weeks uh, and hopefully it is weeks and not months. So guys that said all that's left for me to say is my name's Ben the one with the beard you're listening to the one with the podcast and this is the one with Chris Target. Enjoy. Three, two, one, we're on, we're going. So, (laughs) welcome to the podcast, guys. Uh, Just a little bit of context before we get stuck into today's show. Uh, On the episode today, I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Target. Now, interesting fact for you all, me and Chris have never actually spoke properly prior to this podcast. Normally, when I bring a guest on, it's either someone I've worked with, someone I've done business with, somebody that I know personally, or if not, it's someone that I at least have a conversation with before just to make sure they've not got dry chat. But 
Chris is somebody that I've been consuming through social media and we've been consuming each other's content through LinkedIn and more specifically and more recently through Instagram. So I know through the great content that Chris puts out that we're going to have a great conversation. We've built that connection through social media, which only amplifies the power of content marketing in today's, in today's world. So without further ado, I'm not going to go into great detail about what Chris does. I'll let Chris tell his story, but Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Um, so yeah, Chris Target, uh, one interesting fact, can't grow a beard. <laughs> You're in the wrong place, If you You're going to be watching videos of this. Uh, keep your eyes on, uh, on Ben's beard, because you're not going to get one here. Um, yeah, so, uh, so as Ben said, I think I first found out about Ben on LinkedIn. Uh, saw that he was doing something a bit different with the state agency. I've got a state agency background, so it was quite interesting to see how. At first, he came up with a name, um, beautiful that he uses his daughter's name, and it was his big pitch at the beginning was well, your big pitch, Ben, talking about as if you're not here. Uh, <laughs> was it was it's trying to change the face of a state agency. It's trying to be that trusted agent, and I think. Having these big corporate companies, uh, people do lose that. I think being a face of face in an estate agency in a town is a great thing. So yeah, so that's how I got to, to know Ben, and then we exchanged a few messages, and um, yeah, just got along more than anything. So absolutely delighted to be on the podcast. So thank you very much. So yes, myself, um, I've been in the estate agency world for six and a half years now. Um, I actually used to work in golf before then, which I don't think Ben knows. No. In and around golf courses. Um, what's your what's your, uh, what's your par? What's your par? Handicap. Your handicap, sorry. Par. The last time when I played golf. <laughs> <laughs> what's your par? What's your handicap? The lowest I got down to was nine, but I haven't played in probably, it's coming up to about two years now. Um, just find it a sport that I want to get, there needs to be more youngsters getting into it, to be honest. And that's the only way that the sport's going to survive. But Masters coming up, definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and I used to play a lot when I was younger. And uh, I always found it was one of them. Obviously, I didn't play to any great standard. I certainly didn't have a handicap as low as nine. But it's one of them where you stay consistent with it and you show up and you get better and you come on leaps and bounds. But as soon as you take your foot off the gas and you step yeah. away from it, it's like being a beginner all over again. So it's a imagine- sport you need, to, you need to be playing two or three times a week to, to become a single-figure handicap golfer. I mean, I've, I've played with people that are unbelievable they do have a talent for it um, but they need to be constantly practicing and that's it's a devotion really and then you've got five hours for a game of golf um, so yes yeah, so I used to work in golf got into a state agency I work in an estate agent at the moment and also run my own it started off as a web design company called on target design hence the target is my surname um, double T at the end uh, but then I've gone more so into helping mortgage advisors through their social media. So what I found is a lot of mortgage advisors don't have the time to sit there and consistently create posts, come up with ideas and schedule them for Facebook. So that's where I'm having um, some really good success with mortgage advisors at the moment. And that's why I'm, I'm quite big on LinkedIn. Um, and do I do a bit of website design to help out friends. So if anybody wants a website, hit me up. Um, and then I'm just about to start a company back in golf actually going full circle into the golf voucher market so that's quite exciting that's only been in the last couple of months yeah that that sounds quite unique tell me about that how how does that work so that's it's in the early stages at the minute and it's all about hitting the golf course voucher market so people that are buying for friends buying for family 
what do you what do you get a golfer that's got everything? They don't want shit golf balls or golf balls that explode. They don't want socks. You can't buy the right golf equipment. So buy a game of golf. It's all about giving the gift of golf as a gift. Uh, so that's the next kind of thing that I'll be working on, running all the social media channels. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, so yeah, that's me. Work during the day uh, and then work on websites during the night and the marketing side. Amazing, amazing. See, because I didn't realise prior to this call, obviously we had a quick chat off camera. I didn't realise you was actually still working in branch as an agent because you're that prolific on social media and your stories are that great the content is that consistent i quite literally thought that the media company the website designing the marketing i thought that was your full-time gig so that's, that's always good yeah no absolutely mate is that is absolute because like you said yourself just going back a couple of sentences and what you just mentioned there busy professionals find it hard to find the time to prioritize mm. scheduling posts and creating great content and there's a definite gap in the market for someone to come along and service that so the fact that you're in that position yourself in that you're working full-time oh, as yeah. an agent and you're still managing to do that for your clients and for yourself with such consistency I think it says a lot about your ethic it is it's good to be it's great to have an ear to the ground especially in a state agency because i i could not sit in front of a computer all day i think i drive myself crazy so to have that mix going out and meeting people selling first-time buyers their first house helping the couple downsize from their house that they've been in for 40 years I still really do enjoy that and it gives me a great way to see what's going on in the market, to speak to the mortgage advisor that works in the office about right what's happening with the base rate, um, what's the big thing that mortgage advisors are talking about. The reason I'm not so big on my estate agency side on social media is I find it quite tough to be able to use LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook for me personally to generate business for the estate agent. Whereas on LinkedIn, I'm very big on the marketing side of mortgage advisors because you can, I can help somebody in Scotland, I can help somebody in Wales. I can't do that to sell their house. So that's where I find LinkedIn is, is a great tool to be able to um, span the whole width and breadth of the company. The Instagram side, I, I just love doing a stupid, stupid face on Instagram, stupid photos. And I need to tell you this because this, I'm going to get my phone now. This was one thing that um was weird as anything yesterday so i uploaded a post i think it was about this golf website that I was looking at all right i went through my insights and i'm thinking i'm looking at who's viewed the story as you do because everybody's vain of course <laughs> and no word of a lie and if you can see that seal seal kiss from a rose the actual <laughs> <seal>. <laughs> was as viewed it and then I've clicked on it and it was the actual seal and it's got the blue tick at blue the top. Tick verified, so blue tick verified, 201,000. So yeah, that's my celebrity status. I've been checked out by seal. We're going to release a new album. Um, he's going to have a website. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he's come across it, but yeah, that's my claim to fame. For the you want to you want to reach out and see if he fancies a golf voucher or a website? <laughs> must have been because I put the hashtag of golf in the Instagram story. It has to be that because there's no way that he would be looking at an Instagram story of a 30 year old bloke from Birmingham designing a golf website. It can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's my claim to fame. That is. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, mate. He must oh, he must follow the golf hashtag. Maybe as a uh, a classic golfer. Yeah, he might be. He might be. We'll hook up for a game. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I use Instagram um, for myself mainly. Um, for mortgage advisors, I tend to use a lot more Facebook. 
Facebook's been fantastic um, for mortgage advisors. Uh, really uh, competitions that are showing people. Facebook is great for recommendations and as we all know, the same as a state agency is you're always going to go with somebody that you recommend. So yeah. mortgage advisor, I run, I run the estate agents Facebook page that I work for. Um, again, that's based off the back of recommendations and it's just been a bit, a bit more fun. People don't want to have mortgage rates or advertisement of houses rammed down their throat. It's boring. Yeah. They pick up their phone in between Love Island adverts to scroll through stuff that's going to entertain them. They don't want to know that Santander have released a new 1.9% rate with 75% loans. It's just boring. Yeah. But they do want to see a post about, oh, what do you think about having classes in school about mortgages? That's quite interesting. Yeah. Or let's not think about how I can save you money on your mortgage. Let's think about when you save that money, when I remortgage your house, say, and you pull out 20 grand, what are you going to spend that on? Do you want a new BMW? Do you want that dream kitchen that you've always dreamt of? And I'm a massive fan of Gary V, where he reverse engineers everything. So let's reverse engineer. I'm sat there, adverts come on the TV. I'm scrolling through my phone. I've always dreamt of having a jacuzzi bath in the bathroom. Okay. How can I raise that money to get the jacuzzi bath? Oh, going through mortgage advisor could, okay, we could probably take 15 grand out of the house here. Yeah. It's then reverse, it's that reverse um, engineering that works. Yeah, just stop, stop being boring on Facebook. That's all I'd say, to be honest. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I couldn't agree more because I think it's a lot of people fall into that trap because, and I've heard of Chris Watkin, he does a lot of sort of journalism around estate agencies specifically. And he sort of always comes back to the point that if you jump on an agent's Facebook page, if you jump on an agent's website, and the same for financial advisors as well, I guess we kind of come roughly under the same umbrella. It's kind of like change the color scheme and change the logo. Apart from that, it's just kind of an absolute replica page. And if everyone's saying the same stuff, and if it's just, this is the mortgage rate this month, this is the mortgage rate this month, this is the new listing we've got for sale. Here's a three bed bungalow. It's just so disengaging and people yeah. just scratch. How can you expect to turn followers into fans if it is that you're not sort of giving them reason to, do you, know, do you know what I mean? So I think injecting a bit of personality and being a bit more, I guess thinking outside the box is what it comes down to with your marketing and, and kind of the hook that brings people in. You can then obviously tell them all the boring stuff on the back end, but it's just about sparking that initial, that initial interest, right? When you take, for example, one of your videos, and I think this was one of the first ones I probably commented on, you just walking around a house talking about it. What's going to get you more engagement Posting a right move link and going look at this three bedroom bungalow, or there's a video. I'm going to post a video of myself Ben walking around this three bedroom bungalow. It's it's just common knowledge, but people haven't got the balls to do video. I get a lot of comments on just doing a stupid Instagram video. How do you get in front of the camera? Oh, just do it. Yeah, it it doesn't matter if it's going to help your business. Great. You can't you can't pay your bills on opinions of other people, unfortunately. I know, and I think it's that, um, and I hate to see it, and I put a post up about this a couple of weeks ago, where your first video is going to be terrible. You're going to be shaky. You're yeah. going to stumble. You're going to forget your words. It might be edited and clipped together so much to, to try and string a sentence together because you're that nervous about being on camera. Everyone yeah. goes through that same experience, but the 50th one will be amazing, but you can't get to number 50 before you've 
cocked it up 49 times. You've Do you got, know what I mean? You've got to make the mistakes on video, haven't you? You've got really? to have those stupid things when you stutter for a bit and people will call you out on it. I've got, I've got friends that will text me, ah, dickhead, you, you said this here, you said that there. Yeah, but, I, I know. But I, and again, though, the other thing is, I think, and I know that I went through this myself and I had a whole new um, set of insecurities to deal with when it came to then sharing it on local pages. Because obviously once you've created the content, what good is that if no one sees it? So you need to share it. And I was always thinking, oh man, what if someone thinks, you know, I sound stupid or the information is just too obvious or it's not correct or you get that imposter syndrome coming in. People yeah. are going to judge me. I've put on a bit of weight since Christmas. You come, <laughs> up with all, you come up with all these excuses to not do it. But actually, once you put it out, really, the people that matter, your customers, don't really care. They're not going to be like, oh, God, he, he used the word, this yeah. word instead of that word. Do you know what I mean? As long as the yeah. context is there, as long as you're on camera, as long as you're trying and being consistent. What made you... I'm going to flip this podcast now on you. What made you do video and where did you get this idea from making it? You did a post the other day about your business should be a media service before anything else. What made, what gave you the inspiration to do that? Uh, honestly, quite randomly, it was nothing to do with property at all. So obviously we spoke off camera there how um, before Esme, my little girl was born, I'd put on a ton of weight. Like, And when, when she arrived, because I was just so all encompassed with being a dad, my health just took second stage. Like it just didn't get a look in. So I wasn't training, I wasn't exercising, but my whole background, my early career, my education is all built around exercise and health and activity. So th there is a point to the story, by the way, and I'll get to it. <laughs> so when I started um, training again, I got to this point where I didn't want to walk into a gym. I felt too out of shape. I didn't feel as if I had any place being there. I just wanted to get fit from home. So I started looking at uh, Joe Wicks, the body coach. Oh, yeah. Um, he's obviously built an incredible brand, an amazing community, and a successful business off of the back of content marketing. So he didn't realize that he was content marketing at the time. He just started producing recipes, putting workouts out, providing free content to add value to his audience. And subsequently, that's led to a loyal following. He's done that through video primarily, through Instagram stories, through his YouTube channel, through his grid. Um, and he's now amassed this amazing community of people who get so much value from the service that he provides. And he's having incredible impact on his market but his personality driven brand has come about because he overcame that initial obstacle of people giving him shit his mates saying that he's annoying and looks a bit silly he overcame that persevered did it with such consistency that is now probably the most successful fitness entrepreneur to ever walk the planet so i looked at success leaving clues with joe wicks in terms of the brand that he'd built through content marketing and thought well there's no one really kind of owning that or doing it well or doing it with consistency or quality in the property space so when it came to launching the business i thought you know what as uncomfortable as this is, I can see there's a good market for it there. Agents have got a reputation of being snakes in the grass, cowboys, uh, being just plain boring. Um, so I thought we need to kind of challenge that status quo. And it's all good saying that in a post, but if you can put yourself on camera and add a bit of con uh, character to your delivery, I think that goes so far. And then I realized that once I started doing it, customers started to build relationships with me through social media. So I got to evaluation a couple of weeks ago and I went in and this lady has pretty much liked every single post we've done for the last few months. And I walked in, I had a coffee waiting with two sugars and a bar of chocolate because she knew my favorite chocolate bar and my favorite coffee. And that just comes off of the back of consistent marketing. And even if it's boring, even if it's a picture of me stood in a queue at Costa, like, yes, do you know what I mean? It, no one's really getting any value, but it's giving people that backdoor insight into my life and my business. And it only 
only strengthens those connections. So once I saw it and once I started getting that traction, that engagement, and I could see it benefit my business, for me, I was hooked. So yeah, you so long story short it came from a completely different sector someone who would take a lot of inspiration from in the business world and the content world and then just sort of stealing bits of that really putting my own spin on it and then delivering that to the property world and that's kind of how it came about because i saw a few people on linkedin doing it probably about two years ago where they do a walk around of the property with a selfie stick i thought that that's really good that is but you've taken it to that next level where you've got that video production you've got the the videos of the properties, the walking about, the walking through the parks, talk, walking through the village. And is it, it's, is it filed? Yeah, so we're based on the filed coast. So we've proper ripped off Escape to the Country, the TV show. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but again, mate, that, that was success leaving clues. And I've said this a few times and any long-term listeners to the podcast, they'll probably bang their head against the wall when I say this because I've said it that many times. But British people are just know us inherently. We, we love, there's something we love about property. So... We love talking about the weather. We love bitching about people. <laughs> we love property. And that's why sort of programs like Escape to the Country, Grand Designs, Location, 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 Homes Under the Hammer, all these programs have stood the test of time because the ratings are consistent because we love property. So we span Escape to the Filed off of the back of Escape to the Country. And that is very much um, following the same format. So we tend to try to identify sort of the target market for that property so if it's a family for example we might go to a local park we might speak about local schools and nurseries offstead ratings we'll make it applicable to the target audience and um, if it's an investor we might talk about numbers more so but essentially we're trying uh, i guess introduce that property from a point of interest applicable to the target market and then obviously go in and do a guided tour of the property um, and we use our video crew for that but i do think that kind of the behind the scenes stuff the stuff that's done on a selfie stick with your phone i think that that can be equally as endearing for different reasons so i think it's kind of horses for courses and there's a time and a place for everything depending on what channel you're using what the message is and who you're trying to target yeah. at that particular time and that, that's the, the video the scout to the file is um is something that that's your sales generator really, isn't it? Because you're, you're showing somebody a property, you're showing somebody an area, whereas you're, you're behind the scenes stuff. And I, I'd be quite interested to see 24 hours in the day of Ben and see exactly and have, does it have to be a film crew? Could it be you with a GoPro or something? But just really see what happens when you're not uploading a property, when you're studying your phone in your, in your queue at Costa, like we talked about. That for me, that would be a great branding tool because people can then get to because you are your brand essentially, aren't you? Doesn't matter if you're, you know what I mean, the, the man, the Ben with a beard, or you shave it all off and you Ben with a beanie. It doesn't matter. <laughs> people are going to be knowing you, and that's where I think it'd be quite interesting for you to do like a twenty-four hour vlog of everything you do. That'd be really, it'd be interesting for people to watch, even if they don't like property. But you're stuck in their head as you are the go-to guy in that area. Do you know what, mate? It's really interesting you say that, and it's uh, it, it, without a doubt I endorse that. I think it's a great idea, and I think it's a great idea for anyone listening who's got their own business or any budding entrepreneurs, even if you're early stages, because um, the one thing that I always think is that, and, and I've been guilty of this in the past, I think that you can almost sometimes, as an entrepreneur, you can be putting corporate companies and more established, larger companies on a pedestal that the customer doesn't. So you might think you need to get the projection that you're massive and that you've got loads of staff and that you'd be really successful and you've got a great market share and you're smashing sales. But actually being the small guy, being the personal guy, being the accessible guy, 
they're amazing USPs in the room, right? Same for you, Chris, where you design stuff and your marketing and your website building. They're going straight to the business owner. They're speaking to the person who cares over and above anyone who's getting paid minimum wage at a larger company. So there's something really uh, personal about that service. And I think that most small business owners should use that to their advantage. And I think what you've just said, a day in the life of, whether you was followed by a production crew and it was all really nicely edited or whether it was a bit more of a DIY job, I think there's a good market for that. And that's something, funnily enough, we are planning on doing next month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the whole concept. Funny, I've just given you the idea and now, you, you, now you're doing it. The concept is we're going to try and, uh, or what my idea is, is that we're going to put 2K in a pot and okay. see, see how much damage we can cause with oh, listings and noise with, with, with two grand. And are you going to, is that going to be 2K on advertising or is that going to be 2K on production or is it a bit of everything? So it'd be a bit of everything we were essentially going to, because I think, again, a misconception because of the way that we see the big boys do it is, okay, the average acquisition cost, the average listing cost is X hundreds of pounds. But I can tell you now, mate, while we're kind of in our infancy still and I've not got months and months and months and months and months and months of data and loads of listings to be shouting about, our acquisition costs are peanuts mate because of the way that we approach it and because of the way that we market ourselves and i'm confident that if we can inject a bit of capital into the business we can kind of prove that and then for me it's about um you mentioned earlier on i can't if this was off camera when we started but about impacting an industry and for me the way it gets really exciting is i mean it's all you know it's great me being a decent estate agent and trying to look after customers on the filed coast but that's just a, a tiny dent in, in, in a huge market for me the, the really interesting thing is about empowering other entrepreneurs to kind of replicate that and grow their business in their areas which essentially will raise standards overall and then that's going to change the customer's perception of what is a great profession but people just think that we're dickheads because that's the way we've always portrayed ourselves in the past um, and I think as we go into the new decade I think there's a big opportunity for people to, to kind of run with it and, and change the face of the game see I'm glad you talked about that because throughout whenever you, when when you were saying that throughout that whole thing I was just thinking in my head blueprint you are creating a blueprint and it's it's not a tick box exercise but it's this is the kind of company that you want to build and this is how you're going to build it and it isn't just ticking off the boxes, right? You do this, you canvas, you advertise in the local paper, blah, de, blah, de, blah, blah. You know, all the traditional things that estate agents have done for the last 50, 60 years. Now it's right, let's build a personal brand. Why, even if you're working for a huge corporate brand, why are you not building your own personal brand? Because once you leave that company, if that company goes under, or if you leave that company, could you honestly say you're going to take your customers with you? And I bet there's a lot of people that probably say no because they rely on the advertising of the corporate company. They rely on the networking events if they have them. Why are you not doing that yourself? Because at the end of the day, it's just you. This, it doesn't, ma doesn't matter what name of the company it is, people buy into you. People buy from people. It's one of the most cliche sayings in a state agency, but it's true. It is, mate. And do you know what? I, you're in trouble. Honestly, and I on I look back now over the course of the last well, I've been self-employed since 2012. Um where social media wasn't anywhere near as big and, and yeah. as prominent as what it is now. And I kick myself for not doing exactly that. So we had a Facebook page for my first business. We started a new one for the second business, a new one for the third business, did a little spell working for someone else, got involved with one of the hybrid people and built a personal page around that. No, never, if I'd have started, just Ben Moore, 
been more bespoke or been more property, whatever it was, if I'd have started that in 2012 and through all those businesses, all those transitions, if I just remained loyal to that page and continue to build a community around that brand, mate, we could be on 50, 100,000 followers now, people really engaged. So whenever you're working in this space, people know where you're up to and you're kind of building that profile. So anyone listening to this now who's not embracing that, who's not seeing the value in that, you don't have to make the big scary step of going self-employed if it's not right for you, if you're not ready, if you've not got the capital, if for whatever reason you're going to stay employed, that, that's, that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. And I spoke about this in the past. But like you just said, Chris, there's no harm in kind of dipping one toe in the water. I, mean, I, try, I tried it when I first I worked for a corporate company in a state agency. I remember setting up a Facebook page. This was 2000, um, probably 14, 15, setting up a Facebook page for that branch, setting up a Twitter account, setting up an Instagram and saying, this is the way forward. This is what we need to be doing. We need to be known as this branch. Although we're part of a national company, I want us to be known as this branch. Within 24 hours, the, the boys above um, closed it down. No, we don't do that. Now, 2020, they're trying to push social media and you think, mm, why didn't you not necessarily listen to me, but why didn't you try and give us some not flexibility, but why not try and build a brand in that city or in that town instead of trying to build a whole following in the UK? My, my area here is going to be completely different to your area. There's different people, there's different investors. It needs to be, geographic geographic work geographically for the people you have to make sure that you're that's talking from an estate agency point of view from a branding point of view you could be selling baseball cards you could be selling houses you could be selling pairs of socks if people buy into you whatever product you take to them they will buy off the back of you Exactly, because you've already sort of earned the right to sell, and that's the other thing. I was speaking to a guy called Jerry Lyons in one of the earlier earlier interviews on on this series, and he was saying like you've got to earn the right to sell to the customer because if you're in their face all all the time saying, "Hey, here's my new product," "Hey, here's my new service," "Hey, take advantage of this offer," it gets very repetitive, and you lose that trust. It comes a bit spammy. You lose that trust equity. Whereas yeah. if you're adding value, 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 personality, charisma, putting a smile on the face, and um, giving them something tangible to take away an action point and then you go in with a hard sell that's fine they can forgive that because you've earned the right to do it and you're more likely to close the sale off the back of that so it's like jab 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 right hook do you know what i mean it's exactly what i was thinking yeah it's it's all about provide and this is where social media people have this assumption that they can ask for business they can like my page go, go and like my friend's page well not really bothered that your mate makes bath bombs yeah yeah it's not interesting to me. But if he did a funny video, 100 bath bombs in a bath, do you know what I mean? Or something, I don't know, something... To hook you in. Okay, right, I've got to watch another one of those. But knowing that you sell 10 bath bombs for a fiver, I'm not really bothered, mate. I can get them from down the road. So you need to be different, but you need people to buy into you and what, what do you do a bit different? And that's why I try and have a bit of fun with LinkedIn, a bit of fun with Instagram. Um, because it sets me apart from, especially being in sales, I feel that a lot of people out there that do the marketing side, that sit in front of a computer all day, there is limited customer interaction. So do they know how to interact or network with people? Whereas I'm just a normal person, I can help your business. Let's have a chat. Look, if nothing comes of it, great. 
But at the end of the day, I want you to buy into me as a person. So if I do start something that you're interested in, you already know who I am. And that's exactly what you're doing. They might see your content over and over again for the next four years, five years, but then they come to you with a bloody two point five million pound house because yeah. they know you. Well, you you haven't started out to get that instruction, but it's come as a what's a byproduct. Byproduct. That's the word. Byproduct of what you've been doing for the last four or five years. Yeah, and the, the exactly the same as I know I've kind of uh, already used this example, but with Joe Wicks, you know, you look at that guy. He I think it was something like the stats are crazy. I think he sent like 20,000 20, tweets before he started to monetize his business. 20,000, Chris. Can you imagine the labor that's gone into 20,000? Yeah, do you know what annoys me more than anything? People out there that go, he's got it easy. He's a millionaire now. Yes, but you didn't see the 20,000 tweets that that bloke sat there and did. And that's what really pisses me off sometimes when people say, Ah, oh, he's lucky. He's lucky that he's got that. Hundred percent, mate. He put a video up recently saying my uh, ten-year overnight success, and I think that summarises it quite nicely. It's like it's been a decade. You can imagine, mate. And we all know anyone who's tried to embrace content, whatever it is that you do or sell, whatever your product or service, you have times where you don't want to show up. You have times where you couldn't think of anything worse than having a camera in your face. In his case, he's creating recipes, doing meals from scratch. There must have been so many nights where he's like, "Oh my god, I just want to get a takeaway." Or really, do you know what I mean? Really can't bother. That chicken and quinoa chicken yeah. salad again I can't be bothered exactly but because he was loyal to the content and he believed in the bigger mission he kept doing it with consistency and then suddenly you see the tip of the iceberg and it's like oh he's smashed it he's cracked it he's got it easy and it's like no he has put more work than probably any of us can even conceive yeah can, can even believe like, yeah I mean do you do you use Twitter what do you what do you, what's your thoughts on Twitter and TikTok uh, so Twitter, I'm a bit more ignorant about, and I don't know if maybe I'm missing a trick, but I consider Twitter quite a boring, toxic place. Um, I don't enjoy using it. I don't see any real value. I know it's good for picking up news and interacting it's with... It's more of a news feed, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah um, but it's not for me, mate. It doesn't float my boat. Um, TikTok is something that I'm seriously looking at. I, I know it's a younger audience. Um, so initially I was like, not really for me. But then I'm looking at people that I follow, some people that you wouldn't ever have heard of. So there's a guy called uh, Brian Keane, who's uh, not massive, got like 80,000 followers on Instagram, does a lot of valuable content around health and fitness and the gut microbiome, does crazy endurance challenges. So I find it quite interesting because obviously I'm a fitness hype at the minute. So I'm all about that. Um, <laughs> I look at people like Gary Vee, who's obviously much uh, well-known in the broader sense. And mm. I see all these guys embracing TikTok and I'm looking at their profile. And Brian's got, like I said, about 80,000 followers on Instagram. Probably got about 100 followers on TikTok. So in comparison, nothing at all. But yeah. he's populating that page consistently. So that's telling me that if he's doing that, when he's getting zero interaction, he's getting zero, no monetization, no audience practically, He's doing that for a reason. He knows something that I don't. And that kind of makes me think, well, if he's doing it, and if Gary V is all over it, and he's publishing content with such frequency, I'm missing a trick. So I'm actually in the process of, of setting up my TikTok. I'm just trying to decide the best strategy to go. Because I'm very comfortable with my Instagram. I know what I use my stories for. I know what I use my grid for. I know what I use my LinkedIn for. I know the message I'm communicating on Facebook. TikTok, because it's new to me, I need to kind of work out which how I skin that cat, if that makes sense. I think it's going to be more of a, a, a comedy type trying to yeah, be a comedy thing. I mean, I've, I've seen some great, some funny estate agency ones on there. Um, 
obviously doing those videos about estate agents it isn't it isn't really for that audience because they won't i'd assume your average age is probably between 13 and 18 i would have thought so they're not homeowners but you've got to think like in facebook 2008 around about that kind of age that kind of time it was the main age were people at university that's what it was used for whereas now if you look at it if you look at the average age of somebody that uses facebook it's a lot lot higher yeah okay that's been over the course of 12 years but it was probably over the course of five or six years so could tiktok be facebook in five six years exactly and you know what i think it's um it's almost looking at that kind of bigger picture as well. It's looking at your personal brand. So those guys who are 15 years old now on TikTok, in 10 years, they're going to be 25-year-old customers. And if you can harness that... The bloody estate agents with 200,000 followers. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's unbelievable. But that's kind of, like you say, that's the... And that's why I read about podcasting so much as well for the same reasons, because it's like podcasting is becoming a little bit more mainstream. People are turning their head and realizing, oh, this is a um, you know, an increasingly popular form of content. We're mm. listening to it more. We're killing our dead time more. You mentioned before on the off camera, when you go to the gym, you stick in an audio book, a podcast, you're consuming content that way. When I walk my dog, when I'm washing the dishes, I'll stick a podcast on. It's becoming more popular, but it's not popped off yet. So I think if you're looking back at Instagram and thinking, do you know what, if I just embraced Instagram five, six, seven, eight years ago, when Joe Wicks did, for example, I'd be killing it now. If you're looking back and having those thoughts, then my message to you today is get a podcast and start on tiktok i think that's kind of like something that we all need to be looking into because success leads clues i think it's because there's so much there's so much you can do with it tiktok overnight and this is what gary v talks a lot about well let's take instagram stories for a, a moment instagram stories overnight killed snapchat simple as that yeah so could tiktok release something tomorrow that would kill instagram well they may be able to and then everybody jumps on TikTok. So you need to be, you need to have an offering everywhere. Like you say, podcast. It could be tomorrow that the government turns around and says, right, we are banning all type of video and any image based services. And that's it. You're dead. Well, podcast's the only thing left yeah. because you've spread evenly. You've got a following on your podcasts. So it's, you don't want it necessarily like a scattergun approach where you just post everything everywhere, but it's to do exactly what you've said, where you've got a strategy for each different um, social media channel. And I think that is, that's the way to go. An interesting question, Chris, just off the back of that. Um, Cause I know what, I know what my take is on this, but you mentioned earlier on that you've got your Instagram and you like it for this, this and that, and you've got your LinkedIn and you have fun with that and you've got a Facebook page and do do we get a different version of Chris depending on where we go? Is it different content? Is it different? Uh, is it curated in a different way? Is it a different tone? Or, or are you consistent across all mediums? Obviously, LinkedIn is probably one of the most um, one of the most professional because it's more for me. It's more about writing posts. And I'll be honest, I've only been big on LinkedIn in the last probably three or four months, and I've just created um, an audience of people that I want to speak to mortgages uh, mortgage marketing about so that's more of the professional approach talking about things that have popped up in the news what are your thoughts on this what are your thoughts on that and um, instagram is instagram stories it's quick it's snappy it's um about people that get to know me as a person then facebook i tend to use as a platform to really drive business home because a lot of the mortgage advisors that i've used from referrals will be referred through facebook and the reason I find through Facebook is because of Facebook groups. So I looked after one mortgage advisor who had 
recommended my services in a mortgage advisor group of a thousand people. Now, I think probably about 10 people said I want his details. Wow. They don't want to be emailing me. They don't want to call me. They don't want to, as lazy as it sounds, open the Instagram app or open the LinkedIn app. I want to go straight to his Facebook page. So I need to make sure that anything, any word of mouth referrals that come across, they can see on my Facebook page what I do, how I do it, and what results I've got for my clients. If they then want, want to know a bit more about me as a person, then that's where my Instagram kicks in and they're getting my personal approach. I normally get that when I've spoken to them on Facebook or they've inquired about my services on Facebook, I'll be like, right, follow me on Instagram. Now they can get to know me as a person because if, if Facebook went down tomorrow, I want them to know who I am on Instagram. Yeah. I kind of try and think about that a lot. If one of them went down, where could I drive my business to? Yeah. Yeah. It's covering all bases really, isn't it? No, exactly, mate. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of wise to do that because it's funny because we look at what we do as consumers. We never think about it like this. We look, if you think about what you do now, anyone listening. So if you're, if you get a, a random letter through the post of a company offering you a product, if you see something that catches your eye, the first thing that you're going to do generally, depending on your age, you might go to Facebook first. You might then cross-reference that against Instagram. If you're really interested, you might see if you can find a video or testimonials on YouTube. You'll go to all these different channels to do your research if it's something you're really interested in. Yet we don't apply that same logic to our own market. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of yeah. like the humans as well, they still consume content in a very similar way to what we do. We're all programmed and we're all operating in the same world at the same time. We all, we've all got similar traits in yeah. our kind of behaviors. So it's like, if you consume content like that, and if that's the kind of research you do when you're kind of looking up somebody else, your customers are doing the exact same thing to you. So I think there's so much yeah. merit in what you said in terms of be visible everywhere and just make it as easy as possible. Remove as many steps as you can between you and the customer. Uber's the perfect example. It was, you imagine how easy it was. I want, right, I want to go into, into Birmingham for a night out. All I've got to do, phone a taxi company. This is where I live. This is where I want to go. That seems so simple. But then somebody said, you could click on an app. You don't even have to speak to anyone anymore. You could save yourself 15 seconds of that phone call. That's how Uber's exploded. Just by saving 15 seconds of ordering a cab to go uptown and have some beers. Crazy, mate. And it, it's one of those things, it's so simple. I look at that and I remember when I first heard about Uber and I was like, it was one of them, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? One of those simple ideas that's just popped off to an incredible scale. But the beauty is in the simplicity. Exactly. And that's where I think it's exciting going down the voice route of um, your Amazon Alexa, that again, talking about branding, this is so important because in 10 years time, if I wanted evaluation and I lived in your town, I would say to them, I would say, Alexa, book me evaluation. Now they're going to book, Amazon's going to book evaluation with a company that pays them the most money. So they might say, right, Smith's estate agents, you give Amazon five grand. And whenever anybody asks for evaluation, we'll make sure we book you first. So it's like Google ads, but on the next scale. Now, nobody's going to ask for the second or the third estate agent valuation on voice. It's in, why would you? You've got one. Whereas you've got, you've got to build the brand. So when people want evaluation, they say, um, Alexa, book me evaluation with Esme Properties. Yeah. That's where you, you've got to get to the point where people are, a uh, great book I used to read was Raving Fans. People are your raving fans. And there's, 
there's no other choice in their mind as to who they're going to choose. So like I was talking about, if, if the government withdrew all image and video software, social media, and we just relied on voice, well, you need to have a really strong brand that they only go to you. And that's where I think voice is so exciting because it's going to get rid of all these people that, that throw money at everything. Yeah. Because at the minute, a Google advert, I could pay 200 quid to be at the top I could have another business that pays 100 quid to be beneath there and then the other company 50. Well, number two and three company are going to be wiped out because when I ask Amazon, they're just going to tell me the first company that gives them the most money. Yeah. It's going to wipe out all the mediocre ones. You're either going to be absolute dog shy at the bottom or you're the number one one and they know your name and they will always ask for you. And that's why branding is so, so important. It is. And I think that kind of comes back full circle to the power of, 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 of being the small guy. Like when you're doing yeah. a personality driven business, when you're at the startup phase, when you're an entrepreneur with a big dream and you kind of feel intimidated by the bigger, more established guys around you, it's like, no, don't see that as a negative Switch your mindset switch it around that's a positive it's a usp and you need to harness that and i'll be honest chris that's that's something that i've really only started to take note of probably the last three or four months really if i'm going to be honest passionate about it that the the underdogs are going to win the small guys are going to win because personality about them now 100% because I, I think back um, again to not this venture but um, my business a couple of estate agencies ago one of the first ones that, that I ever did back in 2012 uh, Sell Simple we were called and I remember opening up on day one and the first decision that I made on what service provider I was going to use I thought we need a 24 hour call answering service because for me the logic in my mind was that if I can go to evaluation and if I can say so we're a nationwide company. We deal with properties all over the UK, from Scotland down to London, everywhere in between. And we've got a call center of staff 24-7 who are there to answer your calls and your buyer inquiries. It makes me sound massive. Okay. And for me, that was a USP that we look out. The outward projection is that we're good. We're, we're big. We're huge. And that was kind of masking over my insecurity. That was a one-man band. Whereas now in 2020, I'm like, Jesus, I can't think of anything worse than using that as a leading USP. I'm the USP. You're exactly, this is it. This is, this is my manager and the estate agent I work at, Samantha. She is the best lister and the person that would put a house on the market. She's, she's the best person for it. If you ever start an estate agent, you'd hire her to set it up. And the, the biggest feedback, the most feedback she ever has come back on it is I chose, I chose you as an estate agent because of you. And that's it. It wasn't about that you do marketing on right move. It wasn't that you advertise in the paper. It wasn't that you've sold 10 houses. It's because I believe in, they believed in her as a person, her passion. And it was, it's buying into the person again. They couldn't care if you're a national company. They want to know that you are looking, that on, looking after them on a personal basis. Couldn't agree more. And you'll probably find this yourself, mate, maybe even with uh, your sort of, your on target stuff when you're doing the web design and you're meeting clients, doing consultations around their content or social media strategies, or even in, in your day to day in the property business, the best appointments are always when you go in and you just shoot the shit. You just talk about yep. coffee, your favorite beers, uh, the best nightclubs. You talk about family, <laughs> work, business. Yeah. You're building that connection and it's almost 
as if the, the, the property becomes second place. So I went to evaluation uh, a couple of days ago and I was talking to the guy for about 45 minutes, just about stuff, about life, who was forming an organic connection. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, bloody hell, should we go and do the tour? And then by the time it got around to like the, the prize presentation, the, the fee presentation, the, the contract terms, it was kind of already a, a done deal. It wouldn't have mattered yeah. what we said really within reason because we built such a strong connection. And those are always the better appointments rather than the ones where it's like, okay, Chris, how much is it going to cost you to build the website? Straight away, do you know what I mean? It's like there's no depth to that relationship. That's um, what you've got. To, and that's where social media helps because they can, like you say, you go into a house, they've got your coffee ready with two sugars and your favourite chocolate bar. You've done, you've done the hard bit of the person getting to know you. Um, that's, that's why social media is one of the most important things for, for people, I think, at the minute. Especially the people I work with, mortgage brokers, because they're buying into you as a person. Doesn't matter if you work for NatWest, Raw, Bank, Halifax, whatever company it may be, they're going to you because of you. And it's, um, I think that, that, that that's, that's mm. I couldn't agree more, mate. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's also a good filtering system. So again, I always bang on about this that if you put yourself out there and you're on video, even if 100 people see it and then two people think, what a bellend. I couldn't never, I couldn't think of anything worse than working with that guy. What a joker. You'll just never hear from those people. So it's a good filtering system to bring people into your ecosystem that are a good fit for you because you don't want to be something to everyone. You want to work with people that, that get you, people who are on the same page, people that can help you build a business that you actually want to be a part of, not just nightmare yeah. customers for the sake of getting a fee. Um, so I think in that sense as well, if you can get your content strategy right, it's so good for bringing the right people towards you without you having to really do any work apart from be consistent with, with what you produce. I think we've just talked about personal branding, haven't we, for the last 45 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 2020, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on his head, then. Um, what would you say is, I'm big into self-development books, podcasts and things, what's your best podcast that you listen to and what would be your number one book that you've ever read? So I think with the podcast, I'm going to take it back to the chap that I just referenced earlier on. You know, I mentioned Brian Keane. He's, uh, he's the one who kind of got me into thinking about podcasts. So you should definitely, definitely look him up. Uh, he is quite fitness specific, but he's got a couple of podcasts. One is a, a fitness based one. One is a fitness business one. So one will not be applicable to most of the people listening to this podcast. But his general fitness one, um, it's, he gets a lot of guests on. Um, so it might be people who've uh, built incredible businesses in the fitness space and it'll talk, it'll go through that journey. It might be people who have scaled incredible social media channels and they'll be talking about the impact of social media on their life, their relationship with the phone, psychology, um, mindset, uh, morning routines, all these sorts of things um, that I find fascinating when you listen to successful people and you kind of yeah. see what the common traits are. I think I find that really interesting. Oh, that blueprint again, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you'll definitely see some, some sort of common um, common traits coming up and I think it's really interesting to kind of see that uh, commonality um, he also speaks to people who've you know done amazing feats they've, they've, they've built um, like I say incredible businesses or they've accomplished incredible endurance events they've run through the Sahara for 20 back-to-back -back marathons just crazy things like this so I get a lot of inspiration from from, from listening to that kind of content um, in terms of books um, quite embarrassingly mate I'm not a massive reader I've got the attention span of a goldfish so i'm not i'm not I'm, that, that's something i need to work on but i have recently because it was quite a natural transition from podcasting to listen to audiobooks so um i got myself an audible account uh, which i'd highly recommend and uh, i downloaded a book called what was it called how to win friends and influence people 
Uh, by Dale Carnegie. That, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the more obvious ones that people tend yeah, to talk right. about. And I've seen it posted about a couple of times on LinkedIn. So I, I took on that. And, mate, incredible. I think in terms yeah. of, like, it, it's obviously written. Um, the, the version I've listened to, at least, was from when it was initially wrote. So in places, it might sound a little bit outdated. But I think the core principles are exactly the mm. same in terms of how to really understand the human psychology, what people want to hear how you can build connections with people see that i was just about to say that one of the most interesting parts of that book is how he talks about how it's ultimately how you should agree with everybody and he says he came across a lot of people that said you shouldn't agree with everyone if you've got an opinion then say it and he said well it's not necessarily having an opinion it's agreeing with that person of their beliefs because as soon as you say to somebody no don't believe that cut you down automatically they're never going to be able to get on with you because well people like go with people that they like so if you're constantly saying to them no don't believe you don't well if you then turn around and say actually that's a good point you don't necessarily give them your opinion but they do then look at you as if to say okay he's taken my point on board there that's one of the, i think one of the most conflicting ideas in that book is to say to agree with everybody and it's one one thing that stuck in my mind and that's exactly what you've just said then yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's um, it's about opening your mind to other people's points of views because whatever their truth is, it's it, it's true to them. And they obviously identify with something in that message. So it's just about being open-minded enough to think, well, okay, what they're saying on the face of it sounds quite bizarre. You could turn around now and say, Ben, your business shouldn't be on Facebook. That's crazy. Why are you on Facebook? I could fundamentally disagree for all yeah. the reasons you've discussed about how powerful Facebook is but I could say so, so why is that and you might give me 10 points of why I shouldn't be on Facebook and one of them might be oh, yeah that's food before and it's only when you sort of when you when you're big enough and mature enough and open-minded enough to embrace those opinions that's when you start to expand your own mindset and build exactly if you 100% believe in what you're doing um, and somebody comes along with an idea if you're 100% into that and you, you turn around and say, no, I completely believe in that. I'll listen to what you say. Probably won't take it on board. But it, do you know what I mean? If you've got an unequivocal belief in that system that you're doing, then you just carry on with it. No, no outward force can help you. But I do agree you need to have an open mind that if somebody makes a recommendation, okay, let's look at it. Should I take it on board? No, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been, he's been open-minded. But in a sense, being true to yourself to say, well, this is what I believe. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously the obvious question at the back of this, Chris, is going to be, you sound like someone who who does enjoy reading a book. So uh, have you got any suggestions in terms of what podcasts you listen to? What audio books? What books um, you no, so I only listen to one, one podcast at the bit, which oh, is cheers, mate. Thanks. It's good to go for you to tune. You've been listening to it now. You're on it though, won't you? <laughs> which which interestingly goes back to the core point of that, how to win friends and influence people that people's main priority, however like crazy it sounds, however self-obsessed, we all love learning about ourselves. We all love listening to ourselves, seeing ourselves. And it's crazy. You look at a picture that's got 100 people in it, you'll automatically go to you. You'll try and find you on that photograph. And yeah. do you know what I mean? It's crazy how the human mind works. And it's, you just look after yourself. It's, it's, I suppose it's animal instinct, isn't it? You, you always look out for yourself because yeah. that's how you've been brought into this world. That's how you're going out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so my top books, I'd probably say Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. That's... Um, 
he was a big property investor and he taught, I don't know if you've heard of that one before. I have, that's kind of up there with the one that I recommended in terms of one of the ones that people tend to shout about. So that's definitely on my list to download through Audible. Um, I've got no idea what it's about. Can you just give me a bit of context? Yeah, so um, it was a guy that had his, um, he had a rich dad and a poor dad. So his poor dad was his actual dad, but his poor dad was, he had, I think he was a, like a doctor had a degree in something very well um educated had a really good job but he had a very poor mindset and it was very much like i should get a raise i should be paid for this i should be paid for that that was his poor dad who was actually very educated his rich dad was his one of his best friends dads and he was an entrepreneur and it all starts how he he goes to ask the rich dad for a job um, goes to the news agents that he works in and ends up paying like five cents an hour, which he then drops to zero. And Robert Kiyosaki, the kid, kicks off and goes, you can't not pay me anything. And he says, you need to learn to not be paid anything because you'll have ideas then. So he's working, this is just a small story, he's working in this news agent and notices that the comics in the store are thrown out at the end of the day. So what he does is he gets the old comics cuts out i think he cut out like the price or something and opened up his own library where he charged kids 50 cents to come in and read the comic the comics goes back to the rich dad and the rich dad says that's your mindset because you weren't being paid anything you were so hell-bent on making money if you were paid ten dollars an hour whilst you were the news agents you would never have seen that opportunity you wouldn't notice the comics he says how people on a salary that's essentially what they're doing. They've been paid a salary to stop them looking at other things. Yeah. yeah. So it talks about his rich dad. And then he goes into properties about how if you've got a house, it's not actually um, it's not actually an asset. It's a liability because you're paying for it every month. And then he talks about how to make money in property. So that that's probably one of my top books, really. That's, a, that's such a good book. Um, another one's The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, which I've just read again. And... It's, it's a great one to grasp because it doesn't need loads of action straight away. You know, we were talking about the gym before we came on. Mm. Some people will go hard for a month and be knackered and think, oh, I never worked. Whereas why not make yourself 1% better every day? After 100 days, you're going to be 100% better than when you started. Yeah. So is that parking at the back of the car park to walk those extra 100 steps? Doesn't make a massive difference, but in two years, it would do. It's little things like that. And, and then, I, I, go on, mate. Sorry, I nearly cut you off then. Where my other what what my other one would be? I think probably be feel the fear and do it anyway with Susan Jeff with Susan Jeffers that wrote it. Um that is literally just about you see an opportunity, you go for it. It doesn't matter what it is, you've got to feel that fear to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, those have been my top three books. Awesome, mate. Awesome. And that um, going back to what you said about the compounded effects, don't quote me exactly on the figures here, but I read something recently, as recent as probably about two or three weeks ago, actually. And it was a crazy stat that absolutely blew my mind. And I'm going to say this now. And if you've not heard it before, you'll be like, fuck off, mate. But honestly, <laughs> when, when we got up this podcast and anyone listening now can check this on their own phone, do the math, Google it. Google it. If you put a penny away on day one and then double the money you've saved every day for 30 days, you end up with like, I think like three or 4 million pounds from saving one penny 
And then yeah. just doubling that to 2p, double the 2 to 4, the 4 to 8p, the 8p to 16p, the 16p to 32p. You get the idea, guys. Um, you do that for 30 days and you end up with, I can't remember the figure. It's like, 7 million it is on the end. 7 million. So you've, the only reason I know that is because that's one of the major lessons in the compound effect book. Is it? Yeah. May, that, may, that must be where I got it from, somebody yeah. passing on information was, from that. I don't think he came up with it, but he's used it as an example. So what he says to the audience, he says, right, for... I can either give you a penny that doubles every day for 30 days, or I can give you a million dollars. Put your hands up. Few people do. Then he goes, right, I'll give you 2 million. And he goes, I'll give you 3 million. And then it ends up being, I think it's seven, yeah, but 7.1 million or something after 30 days. But that's the whole concept. You've got somebody who um, take, takes a job, takes a fantastic job and they're paid that much for the next 10 years. Whereas you've got somebody that starts their business that's on absolutely jack shit for eight years, but the last two years are the most lucrative and they end up tripling, quadrupling the amount that that person has been paid. It's, uh, but that's, it, it's, it's a great book because it's all about, you can't have quick fixes. It's impossible. You have to get, you have to go to the gym three times a week for a year to see results. Whereas yeah. people want the Instagram quick fix, the, the skinny coffees, the skinny teas, you can make all this money in 90 days. Quick fix, don't they? It may, yeah. And again, I speak about this more so when I'm talking about the fitness side of things because you're right, we all want a, fi a quick fix, whether it's in business, whether it's in uh, our personal lives, our health goals, whatever it is. And whenever you get a lack of education, meeting that desperation, that's where you get an opportunity for companies to swoop in and exploit it. All these business mentors that say, you pay me five grand of your the only five grand you've got from your inheritance that you got from your grandma. And I'll teach you how to turn that into a million pound in two weeks. No, you won't mate. You'll take my five grand and piss off the same with the skinny exactly, coffee. Yeah. And, and it's just kind of like that, that, and I think that's one of the things that I don't like about social media as great as it is, as much as I love it, as it connects us, it's great for commercial opportunities for business and for building a brand, all these things that we spoke about. I hate that it identifies that gap where people can be bought into bullshit. People can yeah. see a, 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 a false reality um and i think the next generation now are realizing that that they are scams slowly but surely i think those people have made their money now like the remember the aloe vera when mm. everybody was like oh buy this aloe vera it's fantastic and it was just a massive pyramid scheme yeah yeah that's now if i see aloe vera i'm like i'm not getting involved in that that's yeah. just a pyramid scheme that's all it is so i think people are becoming savvy to that but it is right. Everybody wants the quick fixes, but Amazon, he didn't build that overnight. Warren Buffett, one of the most richest person in the world, he recommends buying index funds in stock markets, which won't bring you a massive return. It might bring you five or 6% a year, but over the course of 40 years, it will That's be interesting. Exactly. Yeah. People don't want the boring, the boring thing of to train for half a marathon, to train for a marathon. You've got to run three times a week. They don't want that. They want to run a marathon, but they don't want the hard work that comes with it. 100%. That's, no, that's not bad. I'm not saying that about people at all because um, everybody wants a quick fix, but you have to realize that it's boring. It's laborious. It's you making videos at 10 o'clock at night about a three bed semi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not interesting to people, but when you make that beautiful video that sells that house, that makes your company look fantastic. That's the hard work that's gone in before it. Exactly. And it's all been worth it. I guess I've read somewhere as well that it's like we said, I think we had this conversation off camera where we were talking about um, turning like 
forced efforts into habits and then making that a regular process and a new routine. Yeah. Same as you do with your fitness, the same as you do it in your business. It takes an average, I think, 66 days, is it, to form a new habit, to officially have that instilled in your day-to-day, um, yeah. your day-to-day life. So I think if you can just bite down the gum shield, just make those videos, produce that content, do that task, swallow that frog every single day that you don't want to be doing, that's going to yeah. compound to the point where suddenly it's not a forced effort anymore. It's not a headache. It's just something that you inherently do. Same with your fitness that, you know, you've not trained for a year. Coming back to the gym like you are now, you're back on the horse, you're back at the pool. I've seen your Instagram stories. You were chilling by a swimming pool and going to the gym, getting sweaty. It's going to yeah. feel horrible. You're going to feel sore and AK, tired. You can't be arsed. You don't feel like it. You keep that up for six to eight weeks. Suddenly, you're not a guy who's forcing yourself to go to the gym you're Chris who trains and suddenly once you, once you've embraced that, that persona and once that becomes part of you at that point, that that's where you're onto a winner. That's where you've cracked it. That's where it just becomes the norm. It's creating a habit, isn't it? It's creating you, your habits that are setting you up for the future because if you don't set them now in a year's time, you look back on it and think, Oh, I wish I'd have done it then. But it, it's just the boring stuff that you don't want to, you don't want to be getting up early in the morning to go to the gym. You don't want to be sitting there and, constantly commenting on stuff on LinkedIn. It's sometimes it's not fun, but you, you want to do it because you want to market with people. You want to network with people instead. I, I've tried to force myself now, instead of scrolling through Facebook, looking at mind numbing shit is to try and reach out on LinkedIn and make some, because this, this would never have happened if I'd never have commented on one of your videos. Yeah. And look where this is now. Where could this take in 10 years' time when we've got the biggest estate agent in the whole of the UK? (laughs) (laughs) But you see what I mean? You have to... And this is another big thing. I spoke about somebody on LinkedIn the other day. Is I see so many people, and it'd be interesting to hear your take on this, that I think there's a poster that says um, there's two things you should do in life. One, not tell everyone you're up to. And then number two is blank. I don't know if you've ever seen that poster. It's all about... Mm -hmm keeping keeping your ideas to yourself i just think that's an absolute pile of crap because if you tell people about what your goals are and where you want to go more people want to try and help you than they will try to hinder you so if i turn around to you now and said ben i'm looking at setting up a protein company you might turn around and go do you know what chris i've got somebody in that field they could help you if you want a bit of guidance Without me exploring or telling you that goal, I'd have never got to know that person that could have helped me. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And I think it's, um, funnily enough, Becky said to me, I had uh, another idea about something I was going to do with the estate agency a couple of weeks ago. And she said, well, are you worried that if you do that, people will copy? And I was like, well, if they copy, then. Well, it's it's testament to you, isn't it? 99% of the people won't because they can't be bothered. Exactly. And that's the other thing worth bearing in mind, that even if you do think, oh, this is an amazing idea, so good, I almost don't want to share it. You've got to do it. You've got to pull the trigger on it. And the reality is 100 100 competitors might look and think, that's a good idea. Yeah. 99.99% of them won't. It'll be a task for tomorrow. It'll be something that they'll get around to next month when they've got more time, when they get that, 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 that bit of cash in the bank. But, they just don't do it. They don't act. And that's, next. I'll do that next. Yeah. 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 And that's Thanks. where you could, you could, I say could, you already are a thought leader in this media service of estate agents. Um, and it, it, it'll just be so exciting to see where, where your business goes from here. Cause I think it could be huge. And what's exciting is it won't just be your company with a blueprint. Imagine being, being the first one that did it to turn around and say, in 2000, so in, say if it, we get to 2030, 
and people turn around and go, Ben Moore was the one to start this in 2020. How amazing would that feel? I know, mate. I know. I know. Unbelievable. And it's about having that long-term vision that you can sort of see that the opportunity that's there. And another the great thing about living in 2020 is the fact that we've all got opportunities like this and not just in property, in virtually any space. Like I said before, financial advisors, same sort of thing, same cut from the same cloth, not the most exciting industry in the world. You're not James yeah. Bond. People think it's a bit of a boring, mundane topic. But if you can find that something that makes you different, that spin that makes you stand out, suddenly you change the game. It's just about, yeah. having, the, it's about having the vision and, and the bollocks to step forward and do it. And the, the most successful mortgage brokers that I see aren't necessarily the ones that can get the customers the best deals. They're the ones that are there for the customer. They're that personal point. The mortgage advisor I work with, Kate, who I started all her social media, she's got a huge following of people because they love her. Yeah. Again, going back to this thing, it doesn't matter which company she ever worked for or she worked for herself. They would always use her because of her. They couldn't care if she puts them with Halifax, Santander, or Nat West. Yeah. The trust that she makes the right no decision. To let her to make the, the right decision. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's the powerful thing because I think sometimes we're too short sighted. We're looking more at, okay, so what's that got us? What's that post got us? What's the tangible result? Have we had any viewings? Have we had any inquiries? Have we sold any products? What is that? What, what are we achieving from this? And it's like, well, you can't really measure the trust equity that you're building in yeah, people. Yeah. Um, but what you can do is uh, you may have had this in the past where you've had a house and you've uh, you've maybe expected 10 viewings in the first two weeks and you've only had two or three for that person to phone you up and say why haven't i had the amount of viewings they have that trust in you for you to turn around and say look i don't think we're going to have the same viewings that i thought but the people that come through the door trust me are going to be the people that buy it and they're bought into your trust then it's, it's different to just putting it on the internet and having people call up about it. Yeah. And that's where I think the trust in, in terms of an estate agent is to turn around and say, I know we're going to sell it. Just give me a bit of time and I'll find you the right person opposed to this scattergun approach that some estate agents have. Yeah. 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 And out of interest, Chris, what, um, cause we've not really spoke a great deal about what you're doing. I'm mindful of time because we said we'd wrap this up probably about 10, 15 minutes before what we're even at the minute. The time's just completely ran away with us, but what a great chat it's been. Um, in terms of like your story then, what was it that first kind of made you think, okay, I'm going to set up on target design and this is something that I'm going to run with. Was it something that you read in a, in a book, listened to in a podcast and you thought, no, so that. it was, um, so when I was a kid, I pretty much spent most of my life on MSN messenger. Oh, good old days, shout out MSN. Up till two in the morning, BRB, GTG, all that jazz. <laughs> um, so I was always, always loved computers. Um, did ICT at A level, um, loved it. Um, and then I, I was in golf and I could see it wasn't really going anywhere, golf sales. So I just enrolled in a night school course on web design. Um, did that and then inquired about the next course and it got cancelled. And I thought, well, surely it has to be on the internet somewhere. So then I just started looking up videos and just literally self-taught myself. And that was in 2000 and maybe 2012-ish. Yeah, 2012, 2013. And then I've just grown from there. I've kind of diversified. Um, I've built websites mainly using WordPress. Um, but then I've got more into the marketing because I realized that I love design more than anything. So I'm not one of these web designers that loves to sit there and do code. I, I, I'm in absolute awe of those kind of guys because 
they will sit there and it's, it's, it's another language. It's like the Matrix, isn't it, mate? It's it crazy. Is, I, I, used to share an, I used to share an office with a guy. I used to, uh, I used to basically, interestingly, there was an office and I was an estate agent on the top floor and another agent was on yeah. the top floor and they were having a CRM system built, got on really well with the guys and there was a guy there who basically built that from scratch. So he used to build websites, but he could also code systems and build CRMs. And I remember sitting over his shoulder one day, it was literally like the Matrix, mate. He had like four screens, four monitors. Really? And See, that, just... I was like, wow. My mind can't fathom to do that many things at once. So I got into the design, the design side of things um, probably about 18 months, two years ago. And I just love designing things, um, coming up with new color concepts. I haven't got any degree in design or anything like that. I just love sitting there. I spoke to a mortgage advisor the other day and um, I said, what do you do for your social media management? He said, I do use a guy, um, but we're having a chat about it i said i'll tell you what over the weekend i'll come up with a few designs and he was like mate don't spend your weekend doing it i was like i love doing that i could sit at a computer and design stuff it's not work i'll do it for free yeah so i came up with a few designs and he said mate you shouldn't have spent that long and i said well it didn't take me that long because because i've got that eye for it because i love it i will sit there and come up with an idea that i think is a, is a great idea and it won't it will take you a while but it won't take me so long because it's what I like doing um so yeah I got into the design part of things and then I've found now that I can kind of knit together the property side of things with social media management and design and that's what I'm really I'm really enjoying doing it so when we say social media management then do you run a paid campaigns through the back end of Facebook or are you talking about a content strategy I'm looking to go into it's more it's more content strategy it's more looking at what's out there at the minute so what is topical at the moment what can we write about um, it's just making sure that pages are consistently updated for people because right. if I go to a company and they have they posted five posts over Christmas but I haven't done anything since then is the company still running yeah. are they really active and um, that's where I like to make sure there's a consistent flow and the more and more people that I'm looking after now I'm getting texts saying um, just had a message from somebody um, using us because they found us on Facebook a month ago and followed our content. They might not have liked anything. They might not have commented. You don't know who's watching the shadows or do you? That's the thing. You know, exactly. Um, I, I do some com- some work for, I start, I do local companies. I do an upholstery company and some of their stuff's great. I can have a right laugh with it because it's not as, as like as professional as the mortgage side of things. And it's I went out, I got called out to somebody's house to go and pick up some furniture. We got chatting and he said, I've never followed your Facebook page before, but all of my mates like all your stuff. And I think some of it's great. And that's the reason I called you over Joe blogs down the street yeah. because they're just watching from the shadows. Facebook has this amazing way of reaching people that you never thought you could get to. That's why I love Facebook so much. Instagram's great. Um, but I think it's still in its infancy in, in, in terms of growing an actual, like a bricks and mortar business. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's interesting what you said there, by the way. It just goes back to what we mentioned before about we don't always view things in the same eyes of our customers as we do ourselves. If you go onto a page of a company who's not posted since Christmas Eve and it's now March, is it March? Yeah, it's March. I'm, yeah. I had scrambled at the minute. That is the first thing you think, are they still in business? Are they still yeah. trading? What's been going on? Where have they been? They've disappeared. Yet a lot of people listening to this wouldn't think twice about leaving their Facebook page open 
with a post as dated as that. And it's like, guys, come on, wise up. Just shows you how important, again, consistency. Right, so if you're listening to this podcast and watching it and you haven't posted in the last, I'd say, week, pause this straight on your Facebook and type anything. It could be, this is the podcast I'm listening to or this is what I bought this morning for breakfast. Just post something so people still you know, know you're there. Right, go and pause it. Right, now you're back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this podcast, it's got to be that. It's got to be. The, just go. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you post. Like we talked about the videos earlier, it doesn't matter what you do on that first video. Just get yourself out there. Bro, bro. And Chris, last thing uh, that I want to touch on before we go, you're a man of many talents. Clearly, you're doing your content strategies, you're doing your design, you're still involved in the property world, man after my own heart. You're clearly working so hard. You've got this new venture on the horizon around your uh, your golf uh, tickets. So yeah. what does the future look like? Where are we aiming for? Where do you want to be in the next five years? What what, what direction is the target empire moving? What are you looking to do? So it's, um, it's, I have to be a, be a bit coy at the minute because there's the stuff still in the pipeline but it's really targeting the market of people that are um that struggle to buy golf gifts for people so it, in the golf industry the amount of people i had come in the golf in the golf shop what do i get my husband well, what golf balls he play with i don't know all right well let's look at shoes what size is he well i don't know if those would fit in what golf clubs does he play with they can't buy a golf club so they end up getting a bloody pitchfork for a fiver that's overpriced and maybe a glove that they've probably never worn. Because This is one thing, golfers are so um, territorial over their brands that they use. If I'm wearing a foot joy or a tight this glove and somebody goes and buys me an Adidas glove, that will not get worn, I promise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, what, we've, what we've done is we've looked into it and said, well, people love playing golf, so why not buy them a game of golf? Now, there are companies out there um, that do this kind of thing, um, but not on the scale that we're going to be looking at it because we want to bring as many golf courses on board that Mrs. Smith can jump on the internet and buy Mr. Smith a golf voucher for his birthday. Great. Or Mr. Smith turns around and says, I'll tell you what I'd love for my birthday, a game of golf. Let's go on the website, send them the link. Right, buy me that. It's yeah, as simple yeah, yeah. as that. It's and kind then, of in, in the same way my missus might say, I really want a dress from Topshop, but I ain't going to go and choose a dress for you. There's a 50 quid voucher. <laughs> exactly. Spa days, probably the perfect example, actually, spa days. Ten years ago, I would not know where to look for a bloody spa day or a spa voucher. Yet I can go to sparbreaks.com now, and I know if I buy one, I can just send it to my missus and she can go and book it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is for golf. Amazing, mate. Amazing. Well, no, I'm excited about that. No, it sounds like it, mate. And I look forward to uh, watching from the shadows and seeing how it all unfolds for you, mate. <laughs> Sending you the very best of luck. Um, for anyone listening, uh, whether you're a golfer, whether it's someone who maybe has a requirement for your services, your content um, management service or your website design service, where can they find you? What are the best channels? What are the websites? How can people reach out? So if you search for myself on Instagram, which is it's just at Chris Target, which is T A R G E double T. Feel like I'm filling out a application form, but it's double T at the end. <laughs> um, and then Facebook, if you search for On Target Design or hit me up at LinkedIn, this is where I'm going big at the minute. And um, search me, Chris Target, double T at the end to keep on remembering that. 
Yeah, and for anyone listening, I'll, I'll make sure that I'll link all uh, Chris's socials in the description, so look out for that. But Chris, again, mate, I knew it'd be an amazing chat, the first time we've ever spoke, and I'm delighted that we set it up this way. Uh, yeah, so awesome. many golden nuggets, so many tangible action points with people, so absolutely crammed with value. And thanks for having me on here. Esme Properties is going to be big. Just <laughs> from, from when I, honestly, from when I, I'm not blowing smoke at your arse now, from the first time I saw it, I thought this is the way that a estate agent needs to be done now. Mate, very, yeah, I hope very kind. Blueprint for the next twenty years to come, Ben. Oh, same, mate. very kind to say, Chris. Thank you so much for the feedback, mate. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Definitely, definitely. All the best, mate. Take care. Cheers, mate. Take care.